Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to basics tonight. I'm going to go to John 17, but I'm going to speak tonight on a united church. Not untied. Keep the I where it belongs and the T where it belongs. Because a united church has it in the middle. And so we're going to talk about a united church here tonight. And I'm going to, I'm going to read from the screen John chapter 17 verse 20. Through 22, and it says simply this the Lord's Prayer in the Garden I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Verse 21 that they all may be one. Everybody say one. one. As you, Father, and I and are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Wow. Let's read that again. The glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I believe that the church is a united front. And a church that's united has it right in the middle of it. And that's what it's all about. We're a church, I believe, with it. And I'm going to speak about a united church here tonight with the help and the grace of God. Funny things, you know, happen in church. You know that. A pastor's wife was speaking one time to a group of kids who were there, and they were graduating out of the first grade, and yet talking to a bunch of parents at the same time. The place was full. It was a Sunday morning. And she explained that God said we can plant seeds. She was talking about the parable of seeds. And if the rain shines on the ground and it rains or we water it, the seed will grow when the sun shines on it. However, everything we plant, she says, does not grow because sometimes the seed blows over the fence and it falls among the weeds and the weeds choke out the seeds. If we don't take care of it, the seed will die. Then she explained that people are often like seeds. God created us to be good. And if we live good lives and we love God and help others, we can grow into a beautiful person. But if we get lost or fail to follow God's teaching, we can be like the seeds that never grow. A six-year-old kid was brighter than most, and he understood this very well. He raised his hand, and before he got recognized, he started speaking. And loud enough for the whole church that was there for the graduation to hear, he said, my dad, he's over the fence, all right. He never comes to church. He doesn't read the Bible, and he never helps anybody. I kind of wonder what the conversation was like in the car going home that day, and that little boy. Some funny things happen in church. Like a little kid in our classes years ago right here, and it's been so long ago that many of you won't remember it, but a prayer request were taken by the teachers, and one little boy said, my dad gets drunk a whole lot, (laughs) and called him by name. And he gets mad at all of us and uses bad words to talk to us, and then he stopped and said, I think he could use prayer. (laughs) 
Often things happen in church that are inadvertent. A member of a church one place spotted a typo in the church bulletin. And the typo read like this. The ushers, instead of saying we'll seat the latecomers, it says the ushers will eat the latecomers. (laughs) After that Sunday, no one was ever late to church again. There was a man in East Texas. This happened on my watch. I was not the pastor, but a man in East Texas was standing as the crowd was standing around the front. And he looked down and he saw that he was unzipped. And so he decided to just zip up quickly. But just about the time he zipped up, there was a woman with a full skirt that turned. And that skirt got caught in his zipper. Funny things happen in church sometimes. And as she started walking away, he started hopping, trying. Just a little levity, folks. I'm sorry. There was also a little lady in our old church back home in West Texas. I don't know if any of you have ever witnessed it. How many of you folks were born, I mean born, bred Pentecost? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. People used to, they used to shout and dance in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? And we had a little lady out there that would take off running. She was a grandma about 85 and she wouldn't run fast, but she would run and her little old shawl would just go and people just get so excited when mom Austin started running. There was a man visiting the church one night and uh, one day, and he decided to go to the bathroom. About the time he decided to go, she took off. And he literally thought she was after him. I've never seen a man get to the bathroom any quicker in my life. And I watched him. I really did. I watched him. Because when he came back in, he looked in before he came in. To see if the justice of the peace was after him. Also, of course, some tragic things occur in church. We're not all God created us to be many times. And someone once compared his church to Noah's Ark. If the flood on the outside were not so bad, this person said you couldn't stand the smell on the inside. But because the storm was bad enough, the smell did not cause anybody to want to leave the ark. That can happen in churches. We are, after all, only human. John writes of Jesus' prayer for the church. He prays that we all will be, everybody say one, as he and the Father were one. Considering some of the present fragmentation of Christian communities and the fact that, and I'm going to be very serious now, the fact that churches are closing. They really are. They're closing. There's churches that are closing probably as much as there are churches that are opening in America. And we are losing communities and churches simply because they're dying out and there is no growth and there is no unity and everybody comes with their own purpose and they're not flowing together. What is it, folks, that holds together the body of Christ? What is that, what is that part of us? What's the laminin that holds us together? What is the thing that creates this unity and this bond that causes a church to be like a Christian life church. And I'm not here to preach a negative thought today, but I'm here to just tell you 
Three little things that I think are very important for a church to maintain a unity and a oneness that the Lord prayed for. And his prayer is still making intercession for us even now. I pray that you be one. I want you to look over at somebody beside you and say, you know, in spite of what you think, I really like you. (laughs) Husband, that might be hard to tell your wife. But I think one of the neatest things about our unity, first of all, is our belief. I believe you have to believe something. I say that knowing that churches are just as apt to be torn apart many times by what they believe. But our beliefs are important. This is funny. I read a delightful story several years ago about a certain Mexican bank robber by the name of Jorge Rodriguez. Boy, how'd you like the way I said that? I rolled the R, Rodriguez. (laughs) I'm fixing to start speaking Spanish. (laughs) Who operated along the Texas border around the turn of the century, and he was so successful in his efforts that the Texas Rangers put a whole extra posse along the Rio Grande to try to stop him. True story. And sure enough, Late one afternoon, one of those special rangers saw Jorge stealthily slipping across the river, the Rio Grande, and trailed him at a discreet distance to his home village. And he watched as Jorge mingled with the people in the square around the town well and then went into his favorite cantina to relax. And the ranger slipped in and managed to get a drop on Jorge before he realized it. And with a pistol to Jorge's head, he said, I know who you are, Jorge Rodriguez. And I have come to get back all the money that you have stolen from the banks in Texas. And unless you give it to me, I'm going to take you out right now with a single bullet. There was one fatal difficulty, however. Jorge did not speak English. And the Texas Ranger was not versed in Spanish. And there they were, two adults at an utter verbal impasse. But about that time, an enterprising little Mexican man came up and said, I am bilingual. Do you want me to act as a translator? And the Ranger nodded. He proceeded to put the words of the Ranger into terms that Jorge could understand. And nervously, Jorge answered back, tell the big Texas Ranger that I have not spent a cent of the money. And if he will go to the town well and face north and count down five stones, he will find a loose one there. If he'll pull it out, all the money's behind there. Please tell him quickly, I don't want to die. And the little translator got a solemn look on his face and said to the ranger in perfect English, Jorge Rodriguez is a brave man. And he says he's ready to die now. The boy wanted some money, didn't he? It's absurd to say that what you don't know won't hurt you. Tell that to Jorge Rodriguez. It is equally absurd to say that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Of course it matters what we believe. I'll research this even today. In Lakemba, one of the Fiji Islands, if you visit Centenary Church, it's a Methodist church, you'll find a white chapel with a thatched roof. 
And it is the shape of the cross. And several hundred people worship there at services all day long. And all the furniture is white except for the baptismal fountain. It's light gray, coral stone, about three feet high, and a place hollowed out for water where people can be baptized. And when the first missionaries arrived in 1835, the islanders worshipped the gods of harvest. They were polytheistic, to whom an, animal sacri- an annual sacrifice had to be offered to ensure good crops. Usually, a small boy was chosen, a lad, 12 or under. And on the killing stone, the little head of the lad was crushed with a rock. Yes, it was heathenistic and it was horrible. So the victim's blood would flow down and cover the whole stone. Then the gods would give a good and plentiful harvest. The old killing stone where life was taken has now become a baptismal tank where new life begins for those who are baptized. How absurd to say it doesn't matter what you believe. Of course it matters what we believe. You can't just walk in here and believe anything you want to believe. You've got to believe that Jesus is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to confess that with your mouth. And you have to believe that because by grace through faith we are saved. Not by works lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. It carries great honor to be called a Christian. That means we are following after Christ and we want to be Christ-like. That bond is this. We believe in this church that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We believe the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of that same Jesus. And we preach that. Paul said, I don't want to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We believe that the Holy Spirit baptism is a promise to every believer. Hallelujah. Every believer is promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that we should live purpose-driven lives to witness of his greatness to and in all of us. And we believe the same Jesus is coming again in like manner just as he left 40 days after his resurrection from the dead. And we believe that signs shall follow them that believe. In his name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall pick up any deadly thing and it shall not hurt them. They shall speak with new tongues. And we believe the gathering together with fellow believers is a must the more so as we see the day approaching. And we still believe in this house that salvation is real. That healing is still in the atonement. That deliverance is still part of his message. And that his church is predestined. After all, he built it. Amen, 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 amen. That's a united it church. He said, any man that adds to this, may the plagues be added to him. And any man that takes away from this, may his name be removed from the Lamb's book of life. I'm telling you, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father in this house. 
I just got goosebumps all over me saying that. I'm gonna say it again. Jesus is Lord of this house. To the glory of God the Father. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody can do me like Jesus can. How many of you has he brought out of the miry pit? Come on, lift your hand. How many has ever been healed by the power of God? Lift your hand. How many have ever been saturated? Just a glorious saturation. How many ever have just walked in it and said, no, I'm in this thing. I don't want to get out of this thing. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There is nobody can do you like Jesus can. A little something funny. I'm reminded of the story of a man who was walking alone in a deserted area of the country. And suddenly he tripped and fell into a deep well. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a good story. (laughs) From way down in the well, he yelled for help as loudly as he could, but nobody could hear him. Finally exhausted, the man realized he was going to die because nobody was up there. So he prayed frantically, dear God, please get me out of this. And all of a sudden there was an earthquake. And the man was shot to the surface just like, just like a jet. He was profoundly grateful. A few months later, the same man was walking through the deserted area again with a friend. And when they came to the well, he suddenly shoved his friend into it. So he could have the same experience of deliverance that he had had. We're not trying to shove anybody in the well. But isn't it neat when new people come? Like 400 new people have come since November or December of last year. Over 200 has been water baptized. Hallelujah. 75 have received the baptism of the Spirit. Many have come to know the Lord for the first time in their life. We're not trying to shove you in the well. We just want you to have the same thing that we have. There's nothing like Jesus. Come on. There's nothing like Jesus in our world. We love who we worship. We believe in him. We believe in him. The second thing, likewise, the church that has the it factor. We're united by whom we serve. What we believe and who we serve. Everybody say, I I serve serve Jesus. Jesus. He's the inspiration of our lives. He's a living presence who works within us. He is the Lord and master of all that we are and ever hope to be. Somewhere I read in a magazine advertisement for a humane society in which there was a photograph of a dog and a cat sitting side by side in uncustomary harmony. Weird. And the caption over their heads was, a couple of VIPs, very important pets. And in the fine print underneath the next line adds, what makes them important is not who they are, but who owns them. Everybody say, I may not be much, but my heavenly father purchased me with his blood and I belong to somebody mighty important. 
I'm a VIP. <laughs> if we're VIPs, it's only for one reason. It's for who owns us. We're his. We walk in his steps. There was an American management guru named Peter Drucker that tells of a hospital administrator who held his first staff meeting and they worked through a rather difficult matter and the new boss felt the matter was settled. Then suddenly, one of the staff asked, would this have satisfied Nurse Brian? And the arguments immediately started all over again and didn't stop until a better solution to the problem had been hammered out. Who is this Nurse Brian? The administrator soon found out. She had been a long-serving nurse, an RN at the hospital. And whenever a decision regarding a patient's care came up, Nurse Brian would ask, are we doing the best we can to help this patient? Are we doing the very best we can? As a result of her conscientious concern, patients on her floor did better and recovered faster. And gradually as time went by, the whole hospital learned to adopt what became known as Nurse Brian's Rule. Hallelujah. She had retired 10 years earlier, yet the standard she has set was still providing vision for the hospital staff that came after her 10 years later. Her secret, she took every aspect of hospital work back to the central question. What can we do to best do our job as a hospital? I want to ask this church today, what can we do to do the best job we can possible to let people know that we're Christian, we trust God, and they can be a part of what we are. What can we do? I think every one of us, say with me, amen. Every one of us can turn up the knots just a little bit. This is our church. We want this church to look sharp when people come in. We want this church to sing well when people come in. We want this pastor to preach well when people come in. It won't happen tonight, but maybe Sunday. We want people to know that we're a friendly church when they walk in the door. We want people to know that we wholly trust God when they walk in the door. They're not just coming into a social club. They're coming into the presence of Almighty God. Because there is something unique about coming to a church where the presence of God is there. The presence of God is in this church. Because we honor the one that bought us. We praise the one whom we serve. We are not anything special. But we've been purchased by someone who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We are special. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. Don't you ever duck your head and say, I am nobody. Don't you ever duck your head and say that I can't be an effective witness. Don't you do that. It doesn't matter if you don't have a good job, if you're not educated. Don't you, don't you let that destroy you. You are bought with a price, not of silver and gold, lest any man should boast, but you're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He died for every one of us. Every one of us have been sharing in that great glorious gospel truth. Some for two months, some for two weeks, some for 20 years, some for a whole lifetime. But I want it to sink into our hearts that we are a united church. And this church has the it factor in the middle of it. And God Almighty is with this church. And we can make an impact on our society and an impact on our city and an impact in our schools and an impact on hearts because God is in this house. 
Amen. I'm trying to stay as Methodist as I can. Whoo, I could preach. Paul set a standard over 1,900 years ago when he said, we labor, whether at home or absent, to the pleasing of him. We want to please him. We want to please him. Have my actions please God. Would I do things that please Jesus? My attitude, my love for people, my care for the elderly. Come on. My positive spirit, my outreach, my inreach, my upreach, my prayer life, my smile, the joy that I carry around. A child of God should never get up in the morning mad. I'm going to put my hands in my pockets and preach now. Because you never know what I'm going to pull out. A child of God don't need to get up in the morning mad before anything's happened. Well, I ain't had my coffee yet. Really? Jesus, have mercy. I got I to gotta have a breakfast taco, Pastor, before I can smile. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I may be one of the ugliest men that ever wakes up in the morning. Because when I sleep, I sleep all over this head. You've got to listen to this. And my hair, my hair is that thin kind of hair. And instead of laying flat on my head, it goes like Bozo the Clown. And I look in the mirror sometimes in the morning and I laugh at myself. What, what gets you happy, Pastor? Looking at myself. When I look at myself, I get tickled at myself. I said, my God, Patty got this. <laughs> Patty is married to this. And you can't do this to my hair. You can't do that. You got to get in the shower and wash it. And you got to let it dry just right and towel it. I don't use a hair dryer. You got to towel it just right. And then when you towel it just, you don't have to comb it. Just towel it just right. Put a little hairspray on it. Then I look and say, now that's the man. Reed's got, a, Reed's got a sister. Reed's got a sister. They used to call me Emmett Kelly. Emmett Kelly is Bozo the Clown, isn't he? She used to call me Emmett Kelly. She said, Uncle Rex, you look like Emmett Kelly. But if you can't get up in the morning, hear me now, and look in the mirror and say, oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the King. Come on. His royal blood now flows in my veins. And I who was wretched and poor now can sing, praise God. Praise God. I'm a child of the King. I'm enjoying teaching tonight, folks. Listen, listen. We believe the right thing. We're owned by the right individual. We are somebody because we have been purchased by somebody important in our life. Not only are we united by what we believe, we're not only united in an it church by who purchased us and who we serve, but we're united by whom we are trying to save. I want to compliment this congregation. I want to compliment you. She's been waiting on this. I love you, sweetheart. 
I want to I compliment you. People in this church are not afraid to bring people to this church. A pastor could not have a greater compliment in the whole world. Our praise singing doesn't have to back down to anybody. Our friendliness in this church is phenomenal. And it's so neat to know that you can bring people here and they'll walk out saying, you know, I think I might come back again someday. We're in the saving business. We're not in the peanut brittle business. We're not in the restaurant business. We're in the people business. We're not even in building business. We're in the people business. If we couldn't have a church, if we were in some far distant country behind an iron curtain and we had to meet under the cherry trees and under the apple trees and have church, we are people that love people in this church. And if you're new to this church, you need to understand, we believe that you need to bring people to the house of God. It's important. It's important to bring people to the house of God. Don't you want somebody to have what you have? We need to be united because who we're trying to save. The church can never be satisfied with protecting its own existence. We serve one who poured out his life for the world, and that's our calling. I read this story, and it, and it, really, it really doesn't make a lot of sense until I get through with it. But it's a story about a man named Johan Eriksson. He was a Swedish merchant. And in 1939 in Sweden, a train load of Jewish kids with pale thin faces, sunken eyes were piling into Sweden by the, by the, by the bus load, I mean by the uh, train load. And the boys and girls, some of them only three and four years old, trying to get out of their, of their country. The parents were sending them away because they didn't want their kids to die. They knew they were going to die. Tags around their neck told their age, their name, and their hometown. They had seen horrible atrocities, even five and seven-year-old kids. Most would see and never see in a lifetime. The Swedish families were taking in children for the duration of the war. And Johan Eriksson was a middle-aged man who was a young widower. He had already raised four kids without a wife. He met a frightened nine-year-old boy named Rolf who needed a home, a little Jewish boy. And he responded, and so the little Jewish boy began to adjust to life in a strict Swedish Baptist home. And fear was ever-present ally to that boy. Knocks on the door of Mr. Erickson's house, brought dives into the closet. The Nazi invasion seemed imminent, and they'll never, Johann said one day, they'll never take this boy so long as I'm alive. They'll take me first. He kept his promise. When the war was over, he sent Rolf home, much to his chagrin and dismay. He wept as Rolf got on the train and went home. But when Rolf got home, his whole family had perished. And the last note scribbled to the young man that was still on the house that he went back to said, do not forget the kindness of that Swedish family. Rolf later, because of all that he had went through, had a nervous breakdown. And Johan Erickson, who had become like a spiritual surrogate father, stayed with him until he recovered completely. And when Johan was on his deathbed, all the children hurried home, but everyone knew who would arrive first. It would be Rolf, the Jewish man that was taken in by a surrogate father. If Johann Erickson had accomplished no more noteworthy thing in his whole long life, it surely would have been worth living to have been there to shelter one child. 
We are united because of what we believe. We are united because of whom we serve. But we are united because of whom we are seeking to save. I preached revival several years ago. I was an evangelist for some five years. Some of the happiest times of my life. I preached every night. One time from October to February. I ran out of sermons and I repeated them. I'd preach the same thing over again. Somebody said, didn't you preach that? I said, yeah, I just retitled it and preached it again because I don't have nothing else to say. (laughs) I was a young kid. But I preached a revival in Lake Charles, Louisiana for a man that I admired greatly. His name was Merle, Merle Ewing. And one Sunday, Merle had a bus route and his, and his little kids in the slum areas of Lake Charles had a chance to come to church and a lot of people had bus routes back in that day. And Merle's bus would go into those areas of, of, of kids that perhaps had a mother and dad perhaps was a crack addict. Maybe the mother was a crack addict. Maybe they were alcoholics or whatever. But he'd go in those areas and he'd give away bubble gum and they'd give away toys and They'd round those kids up and they'd bring those kids in mass to church. And I preached for him during this time. And one of those kids was just a little different, just a little different cut than the other kids were. He was about a little 13, 12, 13 year old boy. And one Sunday night, one Sunday night, Brother Merle, they, was, they had Sunday night church back then and most everybody did back in those days. And Brother Merle got to church about five. Church was going to start at 630 that night. That little boy was sitting on the porch of the church waiting on him. And he went up to him. He said, son, what are you doing here? He said, Pastor Merle, I I found out this morning in Sunday school, y'all had Sunday night church. And the bus don't come to my house on Sunday nights. So I decided just to walk to church tonight. He said, son, how far do you live? He said, oh, six miles. It wasn't that bad. 12-year-old boy had felt something in church so awesome that he walked to church on a Sunday night to feel the presence of God again in his life. And Merle started making him his own special project and started taking him home. He'd come, he'd go get him on Sunday night and bring him early and he'd take him home. And Merle's dead and gone now, but the boy's not dead and gone. He's still living for God. (laughs) I think it's important to understand something. That those children that meet there next door on Sunday have a destiny. And the kids that we bring in from on the other side of town have a destiny. And I want to thank God for our, our, our Jesus and me kids. I want to thank God for Bobby and Linda. I want to thank God for the people and the kids that they have brought for years to this church. Some of those kids got saved in this church and some of them got their college education and they would have never had any of that if somebody at Christian Life did not care for them. Oh, I'm preaching right now. We've got to get outside of ourselves. We've got to get outside of ourselves. This is a church that has the it factor. Because we believe something, because we know who we serve, and because we love people, then we want them to find Jesus in their life. That's what it's all about. Can you clap your hands and rejoice in that right now? 
In fact, Merle's wife wrote a song about this little boy. Because after he realized there was Sunday night church, they started running the bus route on Sundays after a while, Sunday nights. And the little boy would go up to the bus driver and say, I know that I'm one of the first to get let off, but would you please take me home last? I want to ride on the bus as long as I can. Here's the point. Sometimes people take church for granted. There's a lot of hungry people in our world that would give everything they had for just one day in the presence of the Lord. And we cannot forget that church. We cannot forget the fact that there's people that are so hungry for God and so hungry for the move of God in their life. They know they need something. They just don't know what it is. I promise you because of what we believe and because whose we are, this church has that answer for them. Clap your hands and rejoice because that's right. That's right. Randy. Well, I meant to be a little light tonight and I got heavy. I got heavy. Spencer and Mel, Farrell, members of our church, brought a young lady to church not long ago, right here. And uh, she loved it. She loved our church. She loved this place. And uh, you can go ahead, Randy. Go ahead and start playing. It makes it more melodramatic. <laughs> you know I'm teasing. You've been here long enough to know I'm messing with you. But a couple of Sundays ago, she missed our big baptism Sunday. And a couple of Sundays ago, she came up and said, Pastor, would you mind baptizing me today? She said, I really, I really want my life to be different. And so I took her into the water and I baptized her. She sings, I don't know if she sings in the wrens or the sparrows, but she sings in one of our choirs on Sunday morning. And just the other day I discovered that she owns a little a little trailer down here on South Lamar that sells mighty fine coffee. It's called Picnic. P-I-C-N-I-K. And she's just opened a brand new restaurant. Never, you never know who's going to walk in the door of your church. Amen. Hungry for God in their life. And she had a soft opening the other day, and I'm not advertising for her, but you need to go over and eat. Uh, but she's, she's got this new place on the north side of town just off Lamar called Picnic. It's a nice restaurant. It's posh. It's, it's gluten-free and not glutton-free, but gluten-free. <laughs> and, and, and her name is Naomi. And she's become a church buddy. She's become a friend. She's become a believer. Wow. So today, after we got through eating... The three guys and I, Brandon's going on a cruise, and I guess he'll come back someday. I don't know. <laughs> but the three guys, Randy and Reed and Brad and myself, we stopped at picnic and got coffee. And 
I have never drank coffee at noon, never. But a soul's in the house of God, I drank that coffee down. And it was good. A church that's united has it, has it in the middle. It is right in the middle. You hear me? We're a soul winning church. We're a believing God church. We're a trusting in the precious presence of God church. This is a spirit filled congregation. I close with a little story about a boy, young boy on a ranch in the, out west, inquisitive, restless. And his father was concerned about his risk. And so two things he said, son, I want you to be careful of. Number one is turning over rocks. Don't turn over rocks. You might run across a rattler. And two, don't climb the high ledge on the north range because there's an eagle's nest there. That eagle protects her young. She could attack you and hurt you and even cause you to fall. But the boy took his father's warnings as a challenge and turned rocks over left and right. And the first clear day he headed toward the high ledge on the north range. And the eagle was gone that moment from the nest and the boy climbed all the way to the nest and spied a large egg nestled down in it. Ignoring the dangers, he hid the egg under his shirt and headed home. Now he had a problem. What do you do with the large egg? He decided to put it in the old hen's nest while she was away. And sure enough, when the old hen came back, she got on that huge egg, and over a course of a few days, that egg hatched. And an eaglet started growing among the baby chicks. And they regarded him as another big, awkward chick, but he never felt quite at home. Something within him caused him to stretch his big wings and fan until they were raising him a few feet in the air. Soon he was rising high enough to the top of the fence post. The landings were not graceful, but at least he was aloft, if only momentarily. Soon he was high up on the roof of the barn. And then he set his gaze to yonder mountain range. And on a clear day with some soft, gentle breezes, he caught a current of air that lifted him higher than he had ever been before. And he set his path toward the mountains and he never again returned to the chicken pen. Moral of the story is this. One day, that was you. One day, that was me. And God birthed something in us that caused us not to run with the chickens anymore. And we flapped our wings and we started soaring to new dimensions and new heights and understanding the love of God to a greater dimension. Hallelujah. And I dare say that none of you that's ever felt the presence of God ever wants to go back to the old chicken coop. And one day, one day, one day, we're going to fly away forever. <laughs> Woo. Stand to your feet. You're incredible people. Everybody say U-N E-D But in the middle Of U-N-E-D 
is IT. The church with it. The United Church of God. Everybody say it's what we believe. It's whose we are and the people we're trying to reach. Won't you raise your hands all over the house? Everybody in the house, raise your hand. I want you to say, I'm surrendering, Lord, to your will in my life. You have called me out of darkness into a marvelous light. You have set my feet on a rock. You've established my going. I will share the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody I know. I will not be invasive. I will be kind. But I will be a Christian for you for the rest of my days. Clap your hands real big all over the house. You're awesome. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.